sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hey guys, Hallie Kiefer here. And Allison Livey also here. And we are back for more of our Halloween spectacular. I'm assuming, Allison, you're laughing because there's a moment where it seems like you forget your name every time we start the podcast. Every time. A moment of pure fear flashes across your face. Like, maybe this is the time you don't know your own name. And I'm like, and I'm... Kermit the Frog. Like, I truly don't know. I don't... I panic in moments... I mean... We've gone through this one. We've had to like read uh, as a credits where it's just oh, like, yeah. I, kn- I know how to read. I professionally speak out loud for like part of my career. I and don't yet. understand. Yet when I have to say my name, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Maybe ask somebody else first. <laughs> I remember going to my friend Megan's house and uh, having to introduce someone I was dating to everyone there. And I, oh my and it was like, <laughs> and all people I knew. And then like a woman I knew, so someone's girlfriend, but I'd known her for probably four years. And I get to her and I completely blank. And it was just like everyone just clowned on me for the rest of the night. It was so <laughs> horrible. Names and stuff is hard. I think that we should give everyone a pass all the time for fucking it up. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Names and stuff are, is hard. <laughs> Names and stuff is hard. So if you've been listening to our most recent episodes, which I presume you have been, we have been tasting, uh, we've been having a sort of a candy off to find the worst Halloween candy. Again, don't do this. It's a terrible yeah. idea. No, I, I couldn't recommend something less than eating something bad. We're dumb and as that hell. Inclu- I, mean, I mean, like, yes, we did Whoppers and I like Whoppers, but mm-hmm. like the overall experience has been, an, I'd say, a negative one. Oh, I, I mean, it's it's wasteful. I end up eating candy I don't like, so I don't, yes. so I don't throw it away. And actually, I uh, this week's contender, we got a lot of votes for. It's a personal uh, least favorite of mine. Allison, yes. I thought there might be a chance that you liked this candy. I am insulted by that. Well, <laughs> you liked Whoppers, you think, so I, I just know, but thought, like Whoppers are, you know, an interesting taste, and like malt is, I think, uh, complex. And I don't know, I ascribe it to uh, people who like good things, even though I know I like bad things. Mm-hmm. This is egregious, and I can't stand. It's not even really a Halloween candy. It's more of a. It's a, a fixture in the candy world. Yes, it's a least favorite candy overall. There are things that come in this flavor, but you're right. This is more of a, a general flavor that can be a candy, and that is, of course, white chocolate. Now, I will have a caveat after we test this that there is one time that I think that this is okay. Okay, all right. We're, we're going to taste it on air, even though Allison hates the sound of chewing. I'm going to try to... <laughs> this is soft, though. This okay. is soft. Smells bad. Still, Don't like the smell of it. No. Okay, tasting it. And the taste is... Terrible. Awful. Oh, God. It's evolving. Every different level and layer of white chocolate is bad. It also is ugh. all things, oh, my God, ugh, um, that I think I should, like, it starts and it's kind of sweet. I yeah. like sweet things. And then, like, there's a point where it's kind of salty or yeah. buttery. Yeah. Those are it's two very flavors buttery. I also like. Mm-hmm. 
It's um bad. I can't. Now, is it bad? So the other ones we've tasted are, are Whoppers and um. Oh my God! What was the candy other corn? Candy corn. Candy this corn. is better than candy corn. I- I'll still say that. I think this is better than candy corn and not nearly as good as Whoppers. Um, I- I'll give you that. I think the difference is this. Unlike candy corn, candy corn is like hard sand, and and yes. this is at least has the the softness of a chocolate. Right. I would say that we're eating regular. I mean, we're we're eating a nice candy bar. This isn't just like uh, CVS brand white chocolate. Like this is. Right. Uh, a nice chocolate maker. So, like, it does have a nice text. The only time I think white chocolate is okay is in a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. Oh, okay, yes. Because there's so, a, so little of it. that's where it works. Yes, and it's, like, actually, I think, better than milk or dark in that. I think that that is the right choice. That cookie has been around for a long time. I knew that we would arrive at you having an insane opinion, and here it is. The idea that you would say that white chocolate is still better in that scenario than actual chocolate, depraved. I think if regular, cho- if if milk or dark chocolate was the better taste, that's what the cookie would be. Damn. Right? I, I guess, but then we've, all these candies that we have been tasting still exist. So that's you'd, true. You would, you'd think, oh, they all taste bad. They wouldn't exist. Baby, people are buying them. People buy, people eat this. We and know reason- people who like this. Yeah, actually, I was saying my boyfriend, who also loves Whoppers, he's going to eat this. He likes white chocolate. Can't I mean, fathom it. Our producer no, I likes can't white even, chocolate. I know. It's like, who are we surrounding ourselves with? I have to put this somewhere else so it's not near me because yeah, it's it does. Me this out. smells coming out hot, hot at, at me. It's weird because, like, I can't tell if I closed my eyes and I had no idea what I was about to eat and you gave me white chocolate, if I would identify it as chocolate or if I would be like, this is butter. Yes. Well, it is, I guess, cocoa fat, right? It's not really, it's from the chocolate plant, the plant that right. chocolate is derived right. from, but it is not itself chocolate. Right. Is my understanding. Well, I didn't like it. We've tasted another thing that we don't like. <laughs> so if you were to, if you were to rate this though, what, how, what, what, what would you give it? Out of 10 tasties, I believe was the scale we've been using. Okay. And I had put Whoppers at nine. Yes. And I believe I had put candy corn at two or three. Yeah. I believe you gave it a two. I think I'm going to throw this a four. Damn. I mean, I guess I'm going to give it a four, too, because it's certainly better than candy corn. And it's, and, like, worse than Whoppers. It's, and, like, it's, like, there's lots of things that are better than it, but there's still, yes. like, quite a bit that's worse than it. Like, there's there's lots of candy we're not even doing on the podcast that is that we've discussed and is bad. I'd rather eat a, a block of this than a block of Tootsie Roll. Yes, and I um, I was reminded of another table candy that no one voted for, so we didn't factor it in, which is, of course, Boston Baked Beans, which is a hard peanut, a peanut with a oh, hard yes. candy shell. Also terrible. Yes. I would still probably like it better. No, though. there's a lot of bad candy, and uh, I think that that's something we're discovering every week on this podcast, and October has certainly been the scariest month for us because of this. Well, thank you for joining us for this. And it's over. We're done. <laughs> no, but yeah. um, we, picked, we picked white chocolate for today. One, because it is the color of snow. And two, because it is so close to being recognizable. But yet there yes. is something uncanny, an uncanny valley between <gasps> something that is good and something that is inedible. And that yes. speaks to sort of the experience of the characters in this week's episode, which is about 1982's The Thing, which Ooh. is, I think, my favorite horror movie. Really? It's my absolute favorite, I think. How many times have you seen it? Um, I mean, at least five. Wow. Um, it is something I will put on, like, uh, you know, like, just 
to rewatch while I'm doing something else because I feel like I, whenever I come back into it, I really enjoy it. It is directed by John Carpenter and is written by Bill Lancaster. It is based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? Ooh. And it is uh, actually it was intended as a remake, remake of a movie that was also based on the story, uh, 1951's The Thing from Another World. So... We had Allison um, yeah. watch the Thing trailer, and we always like to get her reaction to it. What did you think, Allison? Yeah, so this was definitely one, I mean, like, I love something that takes place in Antarctica. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, I feel like I associate so many horror movies with hot weather. Because yes. there's something about kind of, like, sweaty, humid stickiness that's also, like, that is scary. Right? I guess, yeah, <laughs> especially with, like, a body horror. There's something that, like, is very... There's more skin showing. Yeah, blood, viscera. There's something about it like being warm. And then Antarctica is this totally alien experience. Yeah, so like it already feels um, almost extraterrestrial in that nature because like obviously everything we see. I mean like <laughs> they couldn't remake this now. There's almost no Antarctica left. Um, uh, girl, that's what I was thinking. Well, we'll get, obviously time. we'll get into yeah. it. I was like, you know, this couldn't even, this wouldn't even happen with global warming because the thing would already be everywhere. Like, this yeah. thing would have surfed on the back of a penguin and gotten to Argentina already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decades ago, when we were still using aerosols for everything. Um, right. So, definitely scary. I'm intrigued. I right. like how mysterious it is. I did catch the tagline for the movie at the end of the trailer that said, um, what is it? Man is the warmest place to hide. Isn't that the horniest that horror movie slogan you've ever heard? So horny. Man is the warmest place to hide. That is depraved. I love That's that. That's like my motto for uh, winter quarantine. <laughs> Listen, I don't like him, but man is the warmest place to hide. Um, yeah, so we want to, I always like to take a baseline scary. And since you love the idea of go, how do you feel about sort of an alien double? Or like aliens in general in horror, I suppose. I... Don't love it. Okay. Um, Because, I mean, in in my brain, like, ghosts aren't real. Aliens probably aren't ever going to be real to us. But, like, of course, like, it would be insane and narcissistic to believe there's no other living things in the entire universe. So Mm -hmm. there is always, like, with ghosts, I'm like, well, that won't happen. But, like, with aliens, like, watching a movie like that or hearing something like that, you're like, well, I mean, I don't, you know, probably not, but you never know. <laughs> right. If there is something that is more believable, like the unknown. We don't know. I don't right. believe that the aliens have visited us in this capacity. I don't think no. they've stopped by on a saucer. But, yeah, versus, I say, like, yeah, if ghosts exist, they could be just possessing everyone, destroying everything, and they don't, which I appreciate. Yes. Aliens, we don't know what they're going to get up to once they arrive. Could it they're going to get here and be like, we don't need any of this. You guys ew, are on ew, your own. Ew, 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 We're out. <laughs> They'll fly away. They'll take Rihanna and be like, we found the only good thing. Let's go. We got her. We're good. <laughs> All right. So let us begin. It is, we're in Antarctica, the winter of 1982. Oh, before that, actually, we oh. see a flying saucer land on Earth oh. at some point in the vast history of time. So let's say... 100,000 years ago, and we see a saucer land on Earth. And that seems like a studio note to me. Is that someone's like, we need to show that a flying saucer landed. Yeah. They're not going to get what's going on. Yeah, people are dumb. You got to literally tell them everything that's happening. So we open, and there's a helicopter chasing a husky dog across the vast expanse of Antarctica. And this dog, unfortunately, Allison, is a very bad boy. (gasps) 
No. And I know you hate to see it. And so the uh, dog, he runs up to the United States National Science Institute Station 4. And so everyone in the movie is essentially the year-round staff at this science Institute. So it's like the people who clear the runways, the people who maintain the electrical equipment, the people who fly the helicopter, you know, like the staff, essentially. Yes. And weirdly, I met a woman who she and her boyfriend worked at one of these stations in Antarctica. And her, I believe her job was to pave down the runway because I was getting constantly covered in snow and like packing it down. And I want to say that she was there like nine months to a year. So she was one of these people. And they did watch the thing, which I appreciated. Oh, that's nice. So uh, we were... I would not. <laughs> I, I, I think it's sort of like a, you know, like, it seemed like it was like a hazing thing. Or not hazing, yeah. but like you have but to like, watch it. Yeah. Like when I went to Notre Dame, I, we had to watch Rudy. So this is yeah, like the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. The dog's running up to the station and we he, we have all of our characters are hanging out in sort of the rec room. We have Windows, Fuchs, Gary, Doc, Palmer, Norris, Bennings, Nalls, Clark, Dr. Blair, who is played by Wilfred Brimley. Oh. Um, Child, who is played by Keith David, and Kurt Russell, who plays R.J. McCready, who they call Mac. And I only say that this is, I feel like we have not done a movie where there are this many characters that have names you have to keep track of ever. That is an insane amount of names. Yeah. So I, and it's, the the names are obviously not important because it's a visual, a movie's a visual medium. So like, it, it took me a while to be like, okay, we're actually calling him Doc, you know, like we're calling him whatever, you know, Mac or whatever. Right. So I'm going to do my absolute best. But the main point of it is Kurt sure. Russell's character is named Mac. So he okay. is our, it's an ensemble piece, but he is, of course, we are following, you know. Yes, of course. Also, like, to have that many characters whose names you need that you should be keeping track of in a movie where presumably everyone is often in, like, heavy winter coats and hats. Like, I already yes. can't tell anyone apart when I was, like, watching the trailer. At a certain point, everyone is outside in hoods and goggles. And I was like, God damn it. But you know what? It's fine, it, yeah. you know. Because, you know, we're sort of paying a little more attention to Wilford Brimley's character, Dr. Blair, a little more attention to Child. So that was sort of helpful. Okay. All right. So everyone's there and everyone's at kind of like in a cozy, like they're, you know, like drinking scotch and playing pool. And it kind of looks like they're having a blast. Unfortunately, this bad dog runs up. And they all run outside because the helicopter is shooting at the dog. And now the helicopter what? is flying over the uh, science, the station. Yeah. And everyone is like, oh, they've gone insane or something. Like the Nor- And they could read the sign and it's a Norwegian. And so it's, they realize, oh, it's from a Norwegian station, like not too far away. And they're like, what the hell is going on? The helicopter eventually lands and they all run out to see what's going on. The pilot jumps out, but unfortunately, he only speaks Norwegian and they don't speak it at all. So he is wildly still shooting at the dog and he ends up shooting um, one of them, Bennings, in the leg. And so they're like, oh, this guy is going to assassinate us. So eventually, the commander, Gary, he ends up shooting the pilot and killing him. So we no longer have that person to ask questions of what exactly is going on. Uh, not great. Yeah, not, not great. great. There's also somebody else in the helicopter who takes out a grenade to throw at the dog. Again, they're very flustered, so not the best move. Throws it, and it slips behind him, and he goes to frantically dig in the snow and blows up not only himself, but the helicopter. The dog blows up the helicopter and himself? No, I'm sorry. Uh, oh. A man who was uh, <laughs> using a grenade. The dog sure. is fine. The dog has escaped all injury. Because, as I've said, he's not a good dog. He's a bad dog. Bad dog. He And so now the two Norwegian people who had information about what the hell is going on are both dead and their helicopter is destroyed in a matter of minutes. 
So as you can imagine, all of the American, you know, men at this uh, station are like, so what the hell was that about? And they make their first mistake in this film, which is they take the dog and they put him inside in the rec room. And they're like, why would they be? You see two people... But you see two people hunting down frantically a dog, and your first thought is, I'm going to pet it and touch it and put it inside the rec room. Yeah. It, it's not good. No. And the person who's in charge of, not in charge of the dog, but he, he main, this guy, Clark, he maintains their sled dogs. So he sort of is like the dog guy. So he's like, well, I want to take care of it. I mean, I don't know why these guys are shooting it, but I'm going to sort of start handling the dog mm-hmm. and um, really expose myself to this dog a lot. And uh, so all of them are sort of flummoxed about this whole situation, but they sort of are like, you know, Doc is like, they probably went stir-crazy, cabin fever. But we find out they had only been there, the Norwegians had only been in their station for eight weeks. So everyone's yeah, that's like, not that long. Exactly. Like, it's not like they've been there all year and something happened, you know. Right. Um, we also find out Windows is sort of the communication guy, and he's like, uh, I have not been able to, to call out because of the weather in two weeks. So he's trying to call out, being like, there's an emergency, this horrible thing happened, two people are dead. He cannot get out. So they have, they're not able to call outside of Antarctica. Oh, this is a big fear of mine with going to someplace like Antarctica. Yeah, and, and I think that that is, unfortunately, this is the flip side of living an adventurous life and, and being a scientist, is that yes. suddenly you are now trapped in Antarctica without a, a way to call anybody. Um, yeah. You know, so they take the Norwegian's body and they sort of put him in the lab and uh, they decide that they are going to send some people over to the camp because I guess they get mailings or newsletters. I don't know how they know or the other camp because sure. they can't call out. But there should be eight other people at the other camp. So they're like, we have to go make sure. So Doc, Gary, and Mac, Kurt Russell, they fly okay. over to the Norwegian base, Right. And meanwhile, the husky is just hanging out, sitting on everybody, lounging, like having the time oh, sure. of its little dog life. He's inside now. He's living the life. And so they go there, and Allison, the Norwegian base is blown to hell. Like it is burned down, it is incinerated, okay. there's absolute carnage. And there's also a lot of like suspicious things. For example, there's a bloody axe buried in a wall. Oh, that's true. Um, there's a door barricaded <laughs> from the inside. And from the uh, inside, yes. Uh, okay, and so they do find like, and everything's in Norwegian, obviously. So there's like papers, yeah. whatever they can't read any of it. So nope. they do find a video recorder and some video. So they take that with them to be like, well, maybe we could watch this. Okay, and then they find probably the worst thing in this movie, which is a man seated at his desk who has uh slit his own wrists and his own throat, <gasps> and the blood has dripped down and frozen into these sort of like stalactites. And they are all reacting to this not the way I would because something has gone so wrong that this person did this to themselves. Because How do the you know they did, that he did it to himself? He's, hold, he's still holding the raise. Oh, wow. Okay. So he has, he has killed himself because all, the alternative was worse is what we're supposed to think. That is horrific. And not one of these men starts screaming because that's immediately what I would do. Oh, I would be screaming, and I would start walking to the sea to throw myself at it. So as they they go outside, and they find um, sort of a, what looks like a body that has been burned. And it it sort of looks human, but it looks like it maybe has too many limbs to be human. Oh, no. And no. Um, so you know what they do, Allison? They take it, they put it in their helicopter, they bring it back to their base. 
Yeah, you want that around. I, I guess that you could ex- like do some kind of like studies and examinations to see what's going on. But it's like all you need to be is like somebody had too many limbs. Let's do it. Like just bring that story back. You don't need to bring the body back. Right. Like our like what will I mean, I guess that's the question is like you could examine that body. But like if it's something outside of all science, what exactly are you going to find out? What's going to be exactly. useful to you? Right. You're just inviting more problems. And I guess, like, okay, yeah, if, you, if you're going to live in Antarctica and that's your job, yes, you must have an iron constitution in general. But they yes. bring it back to the um, base, and it has, you see the body a little more clearly. It has, like, two twisted mouths in, like, a separated what? human skull. It has, like, way too many limbs. And everyone is, like, well, that's crazy. I've never seen anything crazy? like that. Yeah. No. And, that's the uh, wrong reaction. And so Blair decides to do an autopsy, which again, it's like, this thing is not a human per se. How what, it, what, are you, what are you gonna find out about it? You're gonna like open it up and it's just like, oh, it was set to monster. Like, like that's exactly that's not- like diagnosis. The Norwegians did the right thing by setting this thing on fire. Whatever it yes. is, yeah. we should have left that it there correct. in the snow. Yes, now it's here, and I'm sure that that's the next yeah. bad thing that happens. And a lot of uh the scare of this movie, and I think this is on one hand, why you couldn't watch this movie, but also why I love this movie is like all the practical effects are so well done. And Blair is rooting through this mutated, like mutant body. Ooh. And Allison, it's a wow for me. It is a wow. It is terrifying. And he's just sort of taking these organs out and he says, well, these look like normal human organs. Oh. Like this was a person of some kind. Meanwhile, everyone's just smoking weed, watching, like, VHS tapes of, like, you know, Price is Right or whatever. Everyone's, like, just hanging out. are in, like, I don't know if just, like, living in a scientific station in Antarctica numbs you to, like, what's good and bad. But this is objectively something that they should be reacting to. Yeah, I I guess it's, like, I do appreciate that, like, these science people are, like, sort of hardier stock, I suppose. But you do you do need to have that person's like this is bad this is not good whatever this yeah. is is not human we got to get out of here or or you know somebody needs to sound the alarm and but everyone's played it really yes. cool so far so uh, Clark who's sort of in charge of the sled dogs he goes to put the dog in finally with the other dogs it's oh, like no. a day later so the dog's been all over this camp yeah he puts it with the other dogs within a couple minutes the other dogs are sort of whining and like upset. Because they know there's something is wrong with this dog. And I, oh. I, I wrote down how I would describe it. Okay. The dog's sort of face explodes in sort of like a fleshy, bloody flower. You know, like oh. its face rips apart. And its skull sort of lunges out. And then it has tentacles shooting out of its uh, mouth. And its little red vine tentacles coming out of its body. I'm imagining, remember that like toy that was like, a flower-making basket, and you, like, put Play-Doh in it, mm-hmm. and you push something down, and it comes out as, like, flowers or, like, yeah, spaghetti. that's sort of similar. That's a very sweet way to look at it. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> I'm going to need to think of that. And it's covered in blood. <laughs> and so it starts to take these tentacles and starts shooting out and grabbing the other dogs. Oh, my God. And pulling it towards them. And it, finally, it grows these, like, sort of giant, like, they look like spider legs or, like, snow crab legs. Jesus Christ. So it's a dog, but it has, like, Six no. or eight snow crab legs now hanging out of it. This is the dog that they found. Exactly. The okay. bad dog. The bad dog. And the other dogs do not like this at all, as you can oh, imagine. yeah. I am with them on that. 
And then at a certain point, it starts spraying them with some sort of ooze, which just seems ah. unnecessary. Like, you're already strangling these dogs with, you know, these tentacles. And so Clark, because he's a good dog owner, is like, why are all the dogs barking? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he, you know, they, everyone runs over. They're like, oh, no, this is way worse than what we were anticipating. And everyone has, like, a different weapon. Like, Mac has a, oh, they have a flamethrower. And oh, I, yeah. I'm like, okay, flamethrower. But I guess, like, if everything freezes all the time, you probably do have to flamethrow a lot. Yeah, I, I could see a lot of flamethrowing in an icy world. And this is a very flamethrower-heavy film. So okay. we see flamethrowers a lot. Got it. Um, Palmer has a fire extinguisher. Childs, I think, goes to get another um, flamethrower. And they all Wait, run child, over. Childs? Childs. Okay, so the whole time I've been imagining that among all of these men, also there is just a child. That is fascinating. No, it's a character <laughs> actor, Keith David, who is a full-grown okay. man. And this, I don't want to, like, slobber over, like, everyone in every horror movie, but, like, this horror movie is, like, half incredibly hot, like, actors... Like yeah, stars. Kurt Russell in the 80s. Like, yeah, like here. Keith David, uh, Kurt Russell, and then like uh, uh, incredible character actors like Wilfred Brimley. Right. You know, who, listen, he has his own charm. I don't say that oh, he's yeah. not, he doesn't have his own appeal. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so they're all adult men and they're all run over. And as they run over, you see that this dog thing is sort of, it's growing and it's expanding and it has like everything like looks like a dog, but like a disgusting like parody of it. It looks like a giant like placenta sort of. And so it's little, it's two little paws shoot up and it's so tall. It must be 15 feet tall and sort of kick through the um, roof. And it's like screaming and it has like a dog's face, but it's still like not really a dog's face and everything's covered in slime. And so uh, they obviously flamethrow this thing. Uh-huh. And uh, they they also search. They shoot the other some of the other dogs. They kill, and Clark is like, "No, don't do it." But I I think unfortunately, once you've been half absorbed by an alien, just it's the right go thing to it. do. It's and, the right thing to do. Yeah, it's very traumatic when you have to put a pet down. But also in this case, it is half hanging out of a gigantic fifty foot alien dog that is has tentacles whipping in the air. Yeah, you just got to kill it. Yeah, so they torch this thing, and so now Good. not only is this thing on you know, fire, but eventually the, the the room is on fire. And and I got to ask you, we've arrived at that point in the movie where I got to ask you, Allison, Allison, what would you do in this scenario? What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? I think I would make like that Norwegian guy and just kill myself. <laughs> like, because mm-hmm. there is just no, I mean, it's true. Like there is no going down this path that isn't more horrific. Yes. Than just like you will have to even if you survive, you will live with the images of like what is happening, and I don't think I could do that. Um, I think that's a valid point. I guess I would feel like I, I think I would like to think I would do the right thing and like be like we're gonna figure this out and fight this thing. But knowing myself, I feel like I might get in the helicopter and then just fly as far as away as I could and try to find like a different station. Right. Yeah. My other actual inclination would be to just find the... It's like, if the Norwegians are down there, and then these, there's got to be, like, another country that has, like, an outpost. Exactly. In doing research in Antarctica, and you just... You would know what that is, so you would just go to it. Right. Yeah, you can't communicate with them, but you could just show up. I think that that's doable. They're like, what are you doing here? It's like... It's like, uh... uh, I guess, like, (laughs) uh, it started this dog showed up, and then things got out of hand. Yeah, yeah, things really snowballed from there, if you will. (laughs) Um, so, okay, so the next morning, Dr. Uh, Blair goes to autopsy, which, again, I guess, like, I appreciate that as a scientist, you're like, I'm going to autopsy this thing, but it's like, an autopsy only works because we have, like, a basis of what a human body looks like. 
Yes. You know, yes. and yes. so it's like, you're just going to be rooting around in a giant alien, like, mutant uh, slime bucket. What are you going to find? Yeah. No answers. One of the funniest parts of the of the movie is that uh, Blair, who is played by Wilford Brimley, is literally yelling like, oh my God, while he's doing the autopsy, which is very funny. <laughs> like he's that just like, <laughs> like he's trying not to puke. <laughs> but that is also what you would be doing. Like this is not a normal human Absolutely. body in a, you know, sort of a clinical setting. It's just goop and bloop and bones and it's Ugh. dripping everywhere. It is rank. However, he does do the autopsy and he did. He gives us a piece of information, which I, I would argue it's hard. You need to really do a study, like a long-term study of these things. But he says, I believe that this uh, thing, it came in the dog. The dog was not a dog. The dog was an entity that can imitate life forms perfectly. And it was, so the only reason we s- saw this thing as a monster is because it was in the process of absorbing the other dogs. Had we come back an hour later, it would have just looked like eight dogs. Um, does that make sense? Okay. It doesn't make sense, but does it make sense within the movie? Uh, yeah. Right. So, like, basically, like, if this thing sure. is, is a, let's say, Allison, let's say this thing is becoming you. You get okay. exposed to it. Sure. At a certain point in time, if I walked in, you would be a screaming Allison slime monster. Right. But if I stop by a little bit later, it could just look like you and act like you. And I would have no way to tell the difference. I see. So you really got to so catch he's, him. But he's saying like it would have become, like the other, it would have infected the other dogs. It would have absorbed the other dogs and then essentially just have become them. Like it would absorb all their cells and then replicate their cells to look exactly like the dogs. Okay. So essentially like if it replicated you or I, we would no longer exist. But something that looks exactly like us that is made out of the alien material would exist. Until we, like, we're absorbing something. Exactly. I kind of understand the science behind this. Yeah, and I I think this movie is, like, they're like, listen, this is what we got. You could believe it or not believe it. And and they do a good job being like, well, this is the information we have, so we're going to have to go with it, you know? Right. And everyone's like, and Blair's like, Clark, how long were you around that dog? And Clark's like, I don't know, like, overnight? You know, like, I love dogs. He probably slept in his bed. <laughs> it's like, so why did you put it, in, like, right away in the kennel? He's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm dog. I do the dogs. I don't do the science, you know? <laughs> and so uh, we sort of had the, this is the first time that Blair, you sort of start to see him realize potentially somebody there could also be the alien. Okay, yes. Because that the dog has been there for enough hours, or I guess like a full day, hypothetically... Somebody yes. who could have transformed as long as nobody saw them do it. Yes. Okay. Um, but no one else is there yet. This is just Blair sort of ruminating on this thing. Yeah. Okay. And so in the meantime, they're like, How, we got to have more information about this thing. So they watch the video they found from the Norwegian's camp. <gasps> and they see that they have used, like, I guess, the thermite or dynamite or whatever to blast the ice. And they have found a flying saucer embedded in the ice. Oh, the one from the beginning? Exactly. From unknown amount of time ago? And I think they said uh, it's probably 100,000 years ago. So hypothetically, 100,000 years ago, this saucer lands. So Mac, Norris, and Commander Gary go to the dig site, and they find no. it. No, these people are just inviting problems. Yeah. Get in a helicopter and get the fuck out of there. And they get there, and they can see the top of the saucer is gigantic. They rappel down. It's probably like 50 feet under the ice. And the door is open. So in case you didn't get yeah. what was going on, the yeah. door of the flying no. saucer is open. And then a little while far away, there's a, a block of ice that had been dug out of the ice, presumably by the Norwegians. And I think we're to think that was the alien. 
That okay. was the, the captain of the ship, the Norwegians. The initial. Right. So the Norwegians must have dug it out and taken it to their base, and then things really started to snowball from there. Right. So they're at a point where they're like, okay, we have this, this information, but then back at the camp, Childs is like, you're telling me it's aliens? That's bullshit. And it's like, you saw that dog creature. Right. Yeah, it's one thing if somebody, like, if you had no visual evidence and it was like, I think this is what's happening. Exactly. There's another where it's like, um, yeah, remember that intense, awful thing we saw? Here's one explanation. And it's like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Versus you had to flamethrow a gigantic dog slime monster. Right. What else could that have been but an alien? That makes the most sense. And then, uh, meanwhile, they're having this argument. The Blair is in his, uh, he's at his computer, which looks like a Mrs. Pac-Man machine because it's 1982. I love that. And basically, it tell, he's able to, I guess, program an algorithm. I don't know. And it says, like, um, there's a 75% chance that one or more of the team members have already been infected. And if it gets to the mainland, it will replicate the entire world in 27,000 hours. So he's How now, many days is that? Let me see. All right. oh, I thought maybe you would have it ready to go. Um, I don't know why you think I'm ever ready for anything. No, no, I, I have Google, though. Hang on. That would be 1,125 days. Which, so that's like three years? Yeah, so three years. Boy, wow. And the worst three years. We think the last oh. three, four years have been bad. This <laughs> Wait would be, we see. This would be almost three. as bad as the Trump administration <laughs> is where the world is being replicated. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to be the like the the last day, or you know, be like the last person standing. Yeah, I'd want to go early, right? Because a sense, I mean, our understanding is like, yeah, you don't exist, but you're not in pain. You just sort of, yeah, or living in fear, right? Exactly. That last year is just you screaming and trying to like run away from monsters and from everything. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he's sort of realizing this while everyone else is kind of still arguing about like, what do we do? Like, what are we supposed to do? And so um, they're like, let's just take the corpses. And so they have the, the mutant corpse from the Norwegian place, the Norwegian station, and the dog corpse, and they put it in this storeroom. And so they're like, we're going to lock it in there. And unfortunately, they leave beddings in there alone because he's like getting something out of storage, like a book or of something. Of course. And we see under these, one of the blankets, a corpse start to move. And by the time the other person there is Windows, by the time Windows gets back, Bennings is being absorbed. Like, he's covered in red tentacles and a slime, no. and he's being absorbed by the alien. Of so course. it turns out that these corpses, quote-unquote corpses, it, is, they were They're dead. They're not dead. They're not dead. And the problem is, uh, essentially, is like, we have a system in our body that makes us live. The aliens, if there's even one cell alive, it could start replicating itself. So each oh cell God. is, uh, it's like coral, I suppose, I guess we're supposed to think. is like each cell is itself, and of itself, an animal. So okay. if you've got one that's, little tiny— That's what coral operates under? Yeah, I think coral, I could be wrong. Please, no, that sounds right. I believe you. Write in if I'm right, and if not, don't tell me. <laughs> no, but I think coral's made up of, a, like, thousands of tiny little oh, yes. creatures that I, live no, I together. Yes, I think you're right. That sounds really familiar. Right, but unlike coral, this thing wants to absorb you and destroy you. And the entire right. world, I suppose. And Coral's just like cup snorkeling. So Windows is sort of, he comes back and he's like, oh my God, Bennings is being absorbed. Meanwhile, Fuchs goes to Mac, Kurt Russell's character, and says, hey, um, Blair's locked himself in his lab with a gun. And um, <laughs> I'm kind of concerned of where we're, he's headed with that. He is not answering. He uh, seems very distraught. And we're, I think we're to believe like Blair um, has realized that th essentially they're not going to be able to ever leave. Because if any of them, any of them leave... It, they will potentially spread it to some place else. Right, because no one can really know exactly. who's got it. Very relevant to these unprecedented times that we are living in. 
Yeah, so they all run back to be like, because Wendell's like, oh my God, it, it got Bennings, and they run back, and he's gone, but there's a broken window, and they follow Bennings out into the <laughs> snow. And at first you think, oh, is it going to be like, oh, we don't know if Bennings is a monster or not, but then Bennings turns around, and he has giant, like, mutant lobster claws, because he was almost oh, done transforming. Sh- oh, sure, sure, sure. And he screams, I think he sees the trailer at the end of the trailer, he screams this, like, inhuman scream. Oh, yes. They fucking hit that guy with a flamethrower. Seriously, Good. very satisfying about a flamethrower. I do like that as a weapon. Yeah, and like once you see someone that's already transformed, they, there's no way you can, he's already the alien. So, yeah, no, that, it's over. Yeah. Like, you want to just actually put him out of his misery and save everybody else from being infected. Exactly. And so, as they're doing this, like all this chaos, Mac turns and sees that Blair, who had locked himself in the lab, had run, has run over to the helicopter, and Mac runs over, and the helicopter controls are all pulled apart. Oh, God. And so it's like, oh, is Blair, I think we're supposed to think Blair is sabotaging the helicopter specifically so they can't leave. He's planning on everyone dying in order to save the world. Right, because if they leave, they don't know. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Right. So everyone, like, so they just had to, they just had to torch their coworker who they've known. Gary says, like, he's been my best friend for 10 years. They have to torch this guy. They don't even have time to grieve and, like, reassess because Blair is now in the communications room just hacking it apart with an axe, like, going batshit crazy. Okay. That thing wanted to be on! And he's right, but he's also not community. You have to use your words. You know what I mean? People are going to need to know the risks so that they're on board. Yeah, but I guess Blair has been like, I'm, uh, there's at least someone's going to be like, I'm not going to do this. I I refuse to die here. And so Blair's sort of taking things into his own hand, hacking apart the communications so they will not be able to escape. As you can imagine, the other men do not like this very much. No, I get that. And are sort of distraught about it. And so they take Blair, and they are able to, like, subdue him, and then they lock him in, um, uh, like, sort of the tool shed. Okay. And sedate him. So just so he can't bust up anymore the communications equipment, I guess they have, like, one other radio, like a backup radio they could try to use. But he's done a lot of, pulled apart a lot of stuff, done a lot of damage, you know. So they lock him in this tool shed. and But as they do, Max like, hey, man, uh, sorry we have to do this, but this is for the best. And Blair tells him, you should watch Clark. Clark is the one with the dogs. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Blair's like, you should watch Clark because if Bennings was already an alien, Clark is 100% an alien. Yeah. He was near the dogs, you know? So then Mac now has to deal with, our, how, do I, how do I prove that Clark is, is or is not an alien? Okay. And if he is, we're going to have to torch him. If we find yeah. out anyone else is an alien, we're going to have to torch him. him. So they're trying to figure out how can we test everyone. So as of right now, we don't know who is an alien. Even Mac could be an alien. So they're like, how do we figure out who's an alien and who's not, you know? Because the alien, if one of them is an alien, essentially is just going to play it cool until everyone else is either absorbed or dead. Because the alien is all the time in the world. The alien was frozen in ice for 10,000 years. Yeah, he's like, I could sit and wait until this is perfect. Right, and hypothetically, like, you could kill and, like, burn the alien, but you have Mm -hmm. to, like, incinerate that thing, you know? Yeah, Because even the corpses that were burned before were still kind of alive. Anywho... Doc, who, again, all these men are geniuses because Doc says, uh, I'm going to test, I'm doing a blood serum test because we have like a supply of blood in case anyone gets injured. Mm-hmm. I, I can to do transfusions so that we know that's normal blood. So if we take a blood sample for everyone and then test it and okay, basically like if, if Clark's blood starts to like change and become this other blood, he's an alien. So yes. it's a genius idea. Unfortunately, they go there and all of the blood has already been destroyed. Of course. Why would exactly. it not be? So the only people who had access to the blood are um, 
Doc and Gary, because he's the commander. And Gary's like, how dare you suggest I'm an alien? And it's like, bitch, get on board. Like, anyone could be an alien. Of course people are going to think you're an alien. You know? Assume everyone is. So he sort of freaks out, and then Windows freaks out. It's like, we don't know who's the thing. And so they have, like, a... They pull guns on each other. And, you know, Max sort of calms everybody down. And This is what the thing wants, is for everybody to turn on each other. Yeah, and Kurt Russell's Mac, he's the one who's like, this is exactly what he wants to do. Like, we can't do this. And so he calms everyone down, and then he sort of... Gary is sort of unhinged, so uh, Mac becomes, like, the leader. And he's like, okay, okay so here's what we're going to do. And then Child sort, Child sort of wants to be the leader, and Mac says, you're not even tempered enough. But I'm like, well, Gary and Windows just pulled guns on each other, so I feel like that's not true. Like, yeah, I feel even like, tempered, yeah. Yeah, you could be upset and still be a good leader in this uh, situation. But they go outside, they burn all the, um, the packages of blood, just to make sure, in case somebody had started to turn them or whatever. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won. And then we find out, of course, like in every remote horror movie, there's a storm hitting in six hours. Oh, of course. Why, why would it be any different? Exactly. So they're like, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. They they separate out Doc, Gary, and Clark. And so Doc and Gary were the only ones who had access to the blood. So one of them destroyed the blood. And okay. Clark was near the dogs. So Mac is like, these are the likeliest suspects. So I'm yes. going to sort of have them be in this one area and everyone else, you know, can help me. And he's devised a test. Again, very smart. He's the helicopter pilot, but yet he is a scientific genius. He said, I'm going to draw the blood samples like Doc suggested, but then I'm going to just um, burn them with a, a superheated wire that I heat on a flamethrower. Because we've seen the um, the monster react to flame. Okay. So ostensibly, your the blood, because it's each like a living cell, will react. Which I'm like, okay. all right, but I guess, even if that doesn't make sense, what else are they going to do? I like that they're at least leaning on science in this movie. Exactly. And it makes you, it gives the illusion of control, even though as we've seen... That 15-foot-tall dog monster. Like, this thing no. is not... No. You can't take this thing in a fight, so we're going to have to... You are to, not in charge. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And everyone's super paranoid, and Mac makes a tape, like, if we all die, here's a tape of what happened. Which is, again, very responsible and scientific. Yes. yes. Meanwhile, the power goes out, and Fuchs sees someone run past him in the lab, and in the snow, Fuchs finds McCready's jacket ripped. And at a certain point, we realize when it transforms, it tears through human clothes. So now okay. he's thinking, is Mac the alien? <gasps> we don't know. We have truly no way of knowing. Then Fuchs disappears, and they go and look for him in the snow, and they go check on Blair. And basically, Wilfred Brimley is a great actor. He's, like, begging them to please let him back inside. He's like, I'm not dangerous. I've calmed down. Please, it is so cold. Like, I'm just yes. straight out here. I'm panicking, you know. In the snow, they find a burned body. It is Fuchs's body. And they okay. don't know how it got burned, but they think maybe he was transforming but was still sentient enough that he set himself on fire to kill himself. Oh, interesting. Horrible. That's terrible. Exactly. So we know it's not Fuchs because Fuchs is dead. You know, so we right. know it's not him. And uh, so finally they go inside and they're like, we're going to do this test. We're going we're gonna to set it up. But before we do, I'm going to have to go check my helicopter shack. And everyone's like, why are you going to check the shack? And he's like, well, yesterday I turned off the light. And they all look, and the light is on at his helicopter shack. Oh, no. Whoops is there. <laughs> so Matt goes out with Nalls, and then, of course, the storm immediately hits. They get lost in the snow, and they're on a tow line, and Nalls ends up cutting the tow line. 
So he makes it back to the station, okay. and he tells them, I found the jacket that McCready, that was ripped. The that was McCready's okay. jacket. And McCready eventually gets back to the station, and they're screaming at each other. He's like, why? Somebody could have planted that, which is what we're supposed to believe, is that somebody ripped this and is planting it to seed confusion in the group. Sure. About who is the alien. Because the alien is very smart. They're a higher life form. They made it to Earth 100,000 years ago. Exactly. So, you know, they're all they're all freaking out and screaming at each other. And McCready pulls out a stick of dynamite. He's like, I will blow everyone up. Like, if you leave me outside, if you try to pull that shit again, I will blow up this station. Which, I mean, like, I guess we're kind of thinking maybe it's not a bad idea. Because, like, isn't that the only way for the aliens Just to not escape? It. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're trying to like do the you know they're gonna do the test to like okay we'll do the test and then Norris who's kind of been like a minor player in this so many men to keep track of has a heart attack and collapses perfect and it's like oh diva and so they go <laughs> and they all rush in and Doc starts to do the um the paddles and go you know uh, revive him and as soon and this is an iconic moment I don't know if it's in the trailer but he goes to shock Norris and Norris's entire torso opens up into a giant jaw. Perfect. And and eats his arms and rips his arm off. So now we know Norris was the thing. Okay, well, yeah, that is clear now. Right, so everyone's screaming and, and somebody runs to get a flamethrower and there's all these, like, beautifully done, disgusting moments where, like, this thing leaps out of his chest but it also has Norris's face and it's like a spider, a hairy spider clinging to the Ugh. ceiling. And then Norris's head kind of slides off his body and then that oh. grows spider legs so that's running around and they have to flamethrow that. This thing loves legs. A lot of legs. A lot of legs. I guess it's, it's sort of like a snow crab so it's like, I guess it's just like yeah. whatever, it, whatever it was, it was not a humanoid entity. No, not at all. Yeah. So, but they are able to incinerate Norris, mutant Norris, and burn him up before he's able to escape. So finally, we're going to do the test, right? After all this, we're still going to do the test. Yeah, do it. Why not? It's For the sake of science. Exactly. It's something to cling to. So um, Mac, Windows, and Palmer, they tie down Clark, Gary, Nalls, and Childs. Okay. And they're all like, you can't tie us up. Like, I, you're the alien. You're the thing, you know? And Clark lunges at Mac, and Mac shoots him in the head. Great. So Clark is dead. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. Crawl away from a hot needle, say. And so he, then they take blood and they start testing everybody. You know, including Doc, who is now dead because the um, Norris's uh, stomach ate his arms, and Clark, because uh, Mac just shot him in the head. And they're testing him one at a time. It turns out Clark was a human the whole time. So they were, okay. Blair was so wrong. He's, yeah, so he's just dead now. Yeah, uh, Doc was a human. Um, and so they're testing everybody. They're sort of going down the line. And the person that he wa- is sort of thinking he might be uh, the person is Gary. But before he can get that, he tests Palmer's blood. It reacts. It's The blood, like, leaps out of the um, container. Oh, cool. And they Moving all turn, blood. and Palmer is starts, like, mutating wildly and is, like, growing. And it's just like this. They're all sort of tied to the same little settee. And so they're all <laughs> screaming, like, you know, untie us. Uh, uh, Palmer's right. head rips open. Of course. And a tentacle shoots out, and it kills, drags Window's head into his into his body. And so, of course, okay. Mac, thank God, thank God these flamethrowers seem to have an unlimited supply of, uh, like, yeah, fuel. Yeah, just, like, non-stop. You could just use them at any time. Yeah, so he blasts them, and and so Great. Palmer and Windows, unfortunately, are now dead. Uh, meanwhile, Gary, Childs, and Nalls are still tied down. They cannot run away. So they're just screaming and flailing. 
uh, while Mac is burning this thing. And uh, he chases the Palmer, the bouncer outside that he sets it on fire. I believe he throws a grenade at it. It's a wonderful scene. So yeah, then we're, great. And then we're immediately back to the test. I feel like at this point, I'd be like, just set me on fire. Or like, I'll yeah. just walk into the snow. Wrap this up. Like, why are we <laughs> I, I, like, testing? It just doesn't make it. Like, it's like, we, if we are not the alien now, we all we're will be the alien. Through. Yeah, right, right, right. But I understand also, like, they've gone this far. They want to be like, some of us will survive. We they don't are have to men die. of science. They're all down there exactly. for science. And so finally, they go back to the test. Nulls' blood, he's not the thing. Childs's blood, who sort of has emerged as, like, Mac. Like, they have an antagonism. He's not okay. the thing. Okay. So he unties them. And finally, he gets to Gary. He's not the thing either. <gasps> and so now they know. So there's four left and then Blair. And so they're going to have to go outside and test Blair. And so they all go out there. They got a flamethrower. It's all four of them. Oh, no, they all, three of them go in child stays in the station. And they get to the helicopter shack where Blair has been locked. And the door is open. Oh, no. And they pry up the floorboard. And there's a crawl space underneath. And they're like, well, seems like he's probably down there. So Aww. they go down into the crawl space. Aww. Allison, this is where the, the time in every episode where I have to ask you, who will survive? Who will survive? Part of me thinks no one. Mm-hmm. Like, this feels like a movie where everyone dies, and mm-hmm. that would feel like the most satisfying ending. But knowing how movies work, I'm going to say that Kurt Russell and Wilford Brimley are alive by the end. Okay, great. Great guesses. <laughs> and then, do you want to guess, is there any kind of twist, any kind of reveal or surprise that you'd like to guess at the ending? Guess the twist. I mean, my guess is that there is someone who we think is the alien that then ultimately can prove that they are not. Okay, great. But I don't know how that would happen. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. The three men go down into the crawl space underneath the shack, and they realize that Blair did not break up the helicopter like controls to uh-huh. destroy the helicopter. He had pulled out the mechanism because he is now building a teeny tiny flying saucer. Oh. Because Blair is the thing. Okay. And well, has been surprise. the thing ostensibly since he's been locked in the shack, I think. Yes. If not earlier. Okay. So they start pulling apart the, the flamethrower. They end up destroying it. And they decide, we're going to just have to burn down the station and, and destroy everything. Yeah. And probably including us, but they haven't really talked about it yet. So then they just go into the station and they just start throwing dynamite. Nalls drives the, uh, like, a, the, um, 
what do you call that? If my boyfriend's toddler son was here, he would know exactly the name of this piece of construction <laughs> equipment because all toddler boys know all construction equipment. Yeah, they know what everything is and does. Right. Yeah, not to use a gender stereotype, but I certainly don't know. Yeah. Um, God, is some kind that of... Digs? The thing that digs. The thing that digs, whatever that is, yeah. he just smashes in the side of the station. And Perfect. so they are flamethrowing, they're throwing uh, dynamite, blowing everything up. And at a certain point, the generator has gone out and they cannot find Childs. So they're like, fuck, now Childs is probably the thing. That's He probably cut off the generator. Right. And Mac theorizes that Childs, who is now the thing, is going to allow himself to refreeze. Like now his goal is not to get out. It's that for him to refreeze, maybe they find his body later and they take right. it to the mainland. Right. So, because he can be free, be frozen forever potentially. So it's not, it's less of a risk for him to just refreeze than risk being completely incinerated when the station blows. And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But so they're like, shit. So where is he? So they're going, they're hunting for him and they're blowing everything up. And they're like, oh, it's probably the generator room because we saw the generator go out. They go down and they're going through it. It's essentially just like a storage space. There's all this shit. And while they're down there, Gary turns a corner and Blair is there. And Blair grabs him and, like, shoves, okay. shoves his hand into his, the face, uh, skin of his face in this great scene. Perfect. And then Nalls turns a corner, and he's also grabbed by Blair. And Mac looks up, and he realizes he's completely alone. And when he does, we hear this rumbling, horrible alien sound. And this we see something burrowing under the ground. We'll have to do tremors. It's sort of like tremors, you know. Oh. A gigantic thing is underneath the floor, and it bursts up. And it is like a mutant version of Blair and the dog's bodies have been absorbed. Oh, good. I'm glad and, they're still around. And Gary and Nalls. Like, it looks like it's just like a mishmash of all these different things. And Mac, again, he's cool under pressure. And that's why Kurt Russell was the ultimate 80s action hero. Is like, you kind of believe it. Yeah. You know, like any normal person would just be screaming. And so finally he screams at the, at the alien, you know, creature. Yeah, well, fuck you too. <laughs> and then he he throws like a thing of dynamite and he detonates it. And he's able to run away, which is like not how explosions work. No. But it blows up the station. Like this, the whole thing, like it's, the whole thing is incinerated. Okay, good. So it's just, he's sort of, now he's in the rubble. He's like, you know, sort of lit by the fire. And as he's sitting there, Childs comes up and he sits down with him. And basically the question is, which one of us is the thing? And... Huh. Child says, how, how are we going to make it? And Max says, well, maybe we shouldn't. And Child says, what should we do? And Max says, why don't we just wait here a little while and see what happens? And that's the end. That's the end? That's the end. And that is the, that is the um, decades-long question and controversy that people, people have very different opinions about is, are either of them the thing? And if so, which one? Is specifically, is Childs the thing? Because we did see Mac blow up the alien, so you wouldn't think the alien would do that. I think that they are yeah. both human still. Yes. But the argument could be made that Childs is an alien, so he's just kind of going to wait it out. Right. And I read this thing on Reddit where someone said, oh, John Carpenter, he was at like a, a convention in 2013, and he said it's really obvious because you can see Mac breathing, but you can't uh -huh. see Childs breathing. So I was like, oh, oh. A, a great tell. Then I watched, you could see child's breath. I don't know who wrote that. Oh, that's annoying. You could absolutely see it. I mean, Reddit really isn't the place to go for uh, hard evidence on yeah. anything. So, you know, I think, but I think it's intentionally, you're not supposed to know what exactly the ending means. 
It's my favorite kind of ending. I don't wow. want to know exactly what it means. Wow. I thought that what you loved about horror was the resolution that we get. Um, I guess maybe this is like the exception that proves the this rule. Is the outlier. Okay, sure. I get that. So, Allison, um, we as we come to the uh, towards the end of every episode, we're going to discuss the fatal mistakes made by the characters of this film. Yes. Fatal mistakes. What, what to you was maybe the first fatal mistake? I think not having a woman there. Oh, okay. Speak on that. I think a woman might have been like, "Hey, you're all not like you're all put like I." Let's get organized here. Like, a woman would be organizing. Um, I do. I feel like now it would be like a, ge- a co-ed, like a gendered space station. And I believe yes. in the remake, it's a co-ed space station because they yeah. remade I it in 2011. why there wasn't for 1982 or whatever. But I do think, like, men and women have different skill sets in groups and in crises. And I think the presence of a woman might have expedited some of the like, hey, something's wrong. Here's what we should do. Mm-hmm. I don't think a woman would have been like, let's get the dog inside. You know, it's... <laughs> I think um, my, one of the fatal mistakes I think they made is bringing that burned, mutated alien body back from the Norwegian space station. Yes. yes. A Norwegian um, uh, station. Uh, yes. A uh, huge faux pas, if you ask yeah. me. Leave that where it was. To what end? You know, I I don't know. I think there's really so much you could learn from something like that without, like, Mm -hmm. proper authorities. And um, I guess I also just think, yeah, like, maybe sort of speaking to your point, just everyone should have been way more flipped out way earlier. Yes, yes. Yes. Everyone should have, as soon as you see that dog alien, you should be taking this seriously. Right. It's not like, well, we'll see what happens. It's like, we should all just torch ourselves again. Exactly. And, and this. And maybe that's that's the takeaway is like there are certain situations where you do have to sacrifice yourself. And yeah. had they realized that earlier, maybe they, it would not end on the note of like potentially one of them is the the thing and it's still alive. Yeah. So, Allison, um, would you tell me, where would you rate this film on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. So based on the ending, which I don't love, because I feel like if I were to watch horror, I would want the resolution of it that, like, we've okay. discussed. Wrong, but okay. Also, the fact that it's really good effects based on your descriptions. It's, yeah, that, like That it's part. really, you know, realistic. That I would, I'm going to give this, like, an 8 or a 9. I'm going to say 8.5. Yeah, I mean, I, and again, as we always explain, the spooky scale is not um, whether or not it's a good movie. It's, it's how spooky we find spookiness. it. spookiness. Yeah, I think this is a 10. This is my wow. favorite movie. I find it, like, fascinating and scary and so well done. The practical effects are incredible. This is my favorite horror movie. Wow. We did it. We did your favorite horror movie. I'm so happy, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, we wanted to suggest, if you're on social media, you shouldn't be. It's bad for your mental health, especially it's right bad, now. bad, but also good for us. Exactly. So if you are on um, Instagram and Twitter, you can follow us at Ruined Podcast. You could also follow us individually. I'm at Hallie Kiefer on both Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Allison Libby on both as well. And you can always email us if you have movie suggestions. So ruined at theradiopoint.com. And also, if, when you follow us, please rate and review us, especially if you like us. If you don't like us, please don't. Yeah. And subscribe. We have, you know, even more amazing episodes coming your way and even more disgusting candies we're going to eat because I I don't know, something is wrong with us. We should make a horror movie about this decision, I think. Honestly, this is one of the scariest things we've done. So 
keep listening every all month, and that is uh, good. There's a car alarm going <laughs> right. off. It sounded is... like there was a car accident and a car alarm. <laughs> every time a truck drives by, it sounds like there's nine cars colliding and five car alarms go off. It's really lovely. Allison lives in a demolition derby. We should have mentioned that at some point. <laughs> I know. It's crazy that we waited this long to reveal that fact. So, guys, thank you so much for listening, and join us next week. And until then, I pray, I pray that you will please... Keep it spooky. Please. Please. Okay, bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. 